Well, hi everyone. I'm Harper. I'm Jonathan. And this is Hawkeyes. so much to say about today's movie but before we get into it we must introduce our guest uh you may know him from one of his many podcasts gilmore guys inside voices uh good christian fun it's kevin t porter hi i'm so glad to be on hot guys podcast where you exclusively <laughs> have on hot guys I was so thrilled when you told me about it verbally. I never read it when you wrote it down. And so this this understanding of what the show is continues to this day. So any questions you have for me about being hot, I'm I'm happy to answer. So many, so many questions. Yeah. I mean, okay, let's go. Let's do it. Well, tell us where it all started. You know, when did you first know you were a hot guy? The freaking womb, man. I just had a feeling. I had to get out there so people could see. Um, and, uh, it is very hilarious to think of yourself as an attractive person at all when talking about and beholding Ethan Hawke, yes. a man, a god, a timeless, ageless, aging well, I would say. He's got some long hair. I saw a recent interview with him. Mm-hmm. He's kind of got quarantine hair, but it's also, I think, maybe for a movie he's shooting in Ireland or something, but he looks good. He'll always look good, won't he? He will always so. look good. I, I think, think so. so. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he was uh, talking to David Diggs and he was like, oh, just ignore this whole situation on my face because uh, he's growing yeah, it up for a while. just ignore David. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, yeah, speaking of Ethan Hawke, what's your relationship like with the man himself and his films? Long and varied. You know, I was going through to see like which which of his movies I've seen and I... I felt like, oh, I guess I've seen the big boys, you know, and and I was a big fan of First Reformed last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I do I do very much enjoy that movie, but otherwise, like, I've seen Training Day. I've seen I think the first weirdly the first Ethan Hawke movie I've seen was Waking Life. The oh, Link Later, okay. like the the rotoscoping movie mm-hmm. that yeah, yeah, yeah. also features. Uh, you know, acclaimed thought leader Alex Jones as well. And I like <laughs> yes. any movie that puts them on the same playing field. I think that's wonderful. <laughs> so I guess I saw the big guys growing up. Like I saw Dead Poets Society and Training Day. But you know, I've never seen Reality Bites. I've never seen any of the before trilogy. And watching this actually made me want to watch those because of the, mm-hmm. the Linklater connection as well. I saw Boyhood. I saw Boyhood at the at the Hollywood Arclight in Hollywood, California, just uh, nay six years ago. And on our row in the theater was uh, along with her husband Natalie Portman. She was watching the movie with us. Wow! Oh, wow! I saw so Natalie. I the movie. I saw Natalie Portman eat a sandwich at an event once. <laughs> what sandwich was it? I don't know. It was pretty big though. I was like, yes, BLT, queen. Maybe Go okay. Off on that sandwich. Yeah, well, post Black Swan, yeah. yeah. Let it out a little. It's okay. 
Fully. Um, so I don't, I feel like my my education as far as Hawk goes is pretty lacking. I think because of the Sunset trilogy, and you know I've never seen Tesla, so that's also lacking. You know <laughs> that feels like an essential text as well. Well, um, I think you're okay. Yeah. To be quite honest, okay. we have seen I'm Tesla. Yes. We saw it at a drive-in, which was fun to go see it at a drive-in. Hey, that but, is fun. Uh, That'll make any movie feel good if you're going out to see it now. It's going to be so funny when we get back into a movie theater at all. Literally anything will be good. This is almost <laughs> like I wonder if James Cameron created the pandemic. So we're like, please, I'll see four Avatar movies. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm so excited to watch Navi, Navi digs, but yeah. Okay. Do you feel like his ratio of like good to garbage movies is what, what do you feel like that is? Ethan you know what? I've seen tape. I think I saw tape when I was a kid. Oh, that you saw it when you were young. a kid. <laughs> yeah. When I was like a 12 year old boy, I believe I watched tape. Oh, oh no. Um, yeah. Good to bad. What do you, th- what do you think, Jonathan? Uh, I mean, they all they all serve something for sure, <laughs> but I will say, I mean, maybe it's. I think it's like a little bit over fifty percent good. I would say. Okay. That's how I feel. Okay. He's prolific. He's not a Daniel Day Lewis where he makes one every four years. He'll make a couple in a year. Like he works. Yes. Yeah. He which really is does. a you know which is a good ethic. Yeah. In a lot of ways, but it can ameliorate some of the quality control. Yeah, I, I mean, there it's are been... there are some definite clunkers. We, we, we won't, sure. won't deny that. Yeah, I'm going to call it I 25 mean, hours to live or whatever. Was that 24, 24 hours, hours to live? To live. Yeah. yeah, that's going to that's probably one of the I mean, gracious. I'm looking right now and 2018 alone. If you count the radio DJ cameo, he was in three movies. 2019, he was in three movies. This year, when no movies are coming out, he was in two movies. Yeah. 2017, three movies. 2016, five movies 2015 four movies gosh at least wow so he yeah he he just wants to work yeah this is yeah. why we have the show you know he has i guess so much we, to talk about i wonder if maya has a stipend of some <laughs> sort that needs feeding i don't know it's possible <laughs> i mean he does have four children so that'll do it okay when you have with uma he has two with uma and two with ryan Ryan's nanny. Sorry, she's more than a nanny. Yes, she's the second wife. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the, uh, but they look so similar. Yeah. Right? It's a it's a it's a vibe. Look, it's a look. <laughs> it's not a vibe I want. I was so you know, and it was something that you know, because he seems so singular in so many ways, and then you find out he's a nanny guy. It's like, oh, you're you're Jude lying it up. <laughs> You're Ben Afflecking it up, perhaps. I don't know what the story is with Ben Affleck, but <laughs> but you know that was one thing. That was like the only thing I've encountered in my experience with Hawk that put anything resembling a sour taste in my mouth. But I believe in forgiveness for all, so maybe we can forgive him too. <laughs> well, yeah, and I mean, I think we see this in some of his work. Even you'll see this, uh, and in like kind of tabloidy articles about Ethan Hawke that he's in an open relationship and that's kind of his whole thing like with with Ryan his second wife that's kind of Mm. what people say about their relationship and um I think that 
like you can see i feel like it even comes through in blaze movie we're talking about today that you know like blaze and alia shawkat's character sybil they have they they start to have an open relationship kind of because even when he's a free there's spirit there's another woman in my arms he, she'll only be in my arms and not in my heart mm-hmm. and so, ethan hawk did yes and knowing that movie. hawk wrote that yeah with sybil is even weirder too man there's a lot going on there too there is a lot going on yeah. it it does it does rock that sybil is such an angelic presence in the movie given that she wrote it too yeah <laughs> i think that's awesome yeah well, should we uh, should we get into this movie? Sure. It's uh, Blaze. I would love to. Blaze from 2018, um, co-written and directed by our man Ethan Hawke. Mm-hmm. You love to see it. This um, is his third movie. This number three for him is yeah. So he did a documentary before and a feature before. Okay. And okay. right, is that it? I think so. Oh no, he did two features before because he did um, Chelsea Walls. Yes. Yes. Just okay. Yeah. 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 Um. And he did a short. Wait, did film. you do an episode about Chelsea Walls? We yes. sure did. Yeah. Uh, but it somehow slipped out of there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Not putting it at the top of my list. Okay. Duly noted. Yeah, we do have it on DVD along with his other feature film, uh, The Hottest State. Okay. Um. But yeah, so he's done two features, one documentary, and then he did one short film in the '90s. Mm-hmm. okay yeah so he's he's uh made some films by this point and i think that he's got a handle on it yeah yeah i think he's figured it out by blaze i think he's totally figured it out and i i'm just gonna put it out there i really like this movie what are his hallmarks of directing that you guys have noted like what's something that was you could spot as a commonality in the first couple of movies he did oh he's doing it again in blaze like either visually or aesthetically or music choices yeah, I mean, I think a, a huge, like, central idea of Ethan Hawke's is that, like, is creativity. I think that's, like, really this the story he wants to tell is about, like, someone yeah. who is uh, maybe, like, you know, if the way that Ethan Hawke, I think, would put it is, like, haunted by their, their creativity. You know what I mean? So, like, you can kind of see that in Chelsea Walls where it's all about the Chelsea Hotel and all the people that lived in it. And they're all uh-huh. really creative people in different fields fields too and and, uh you know and it's kind of about the way that their lives intersect with their art and same with the hottest state that's about a like a struggling actor and his relationship that's kind of complicated oh my gosh oh so he he's in love with art art is about art oh my goodness and um the hottest state is actually also based on a book that a novel that he wrote so okay yeah that ethan wrote that ethan wrote yeah He's written what a prolific man he's not just yeah. a dumb dumb doy doy actor i mean he's he's very hot obviously and so he looks like he could be stupid but he's not he's, he knows what he's doing yeah because i too you know what i watched this i watched this uh last night and today i finished it today and i also saw the trial of the chicago seven a couple days ago and that's aaron sorkin directing his own stuff and he's been a screenwriter for 30 years or whatever Mm. and this is him taking a crack at directing his own material for the second time and even 
comparing and contrasting that, like an actor who doesn't direct that much, but is directing his third feature and a writer who doesn't direct that much and directing his second feature. It's so interesting to me how much more in control Hawk seemed of his material than Sorkin did. Like Chicago 7, for sure, visually, he's just like pointing at stuff and like, I don't know, I guess the camera goes here. He's in the frame, right? Okay, we're good. Like not that much thoughtfulness beyond, okay, I need him to say this line this exact way. Right. Whereas Hogg feel like Hogg's bringing this whole thing. It's like Cavalcade, like you said, I guess the thematics too, but also, also visually and aesthetically, I found this a very gorgeous and pleasing movie to watch even in the parts where it's dragging and i really enjoyed this movie i think it might be 20 or 30 minutes too long there was a few by the 19th time we're watching blaze limp around drunk i'm like i i understand he's limping and, (laughs) and that he's drunk uh and i appreciate the reminder but i didn't forget uh but even with that like all that stuff on a scene to scene level i found the movie to be pretty controlled, like you were in good hands, you know, like it was, um, like it was what he wanted it to be, like the cross-cutting stuff, some of his editing choices, some of his audio choices, I found to be like, I was, I was impressed, like it sounds so condescending, like I'm not (laughs) Ethan Hawke, but just I was impressed with how, how good he was at something I didn't know him for at all, because also before watching the movie, I thought he was starring in it, as well, right. as well as directing it. And then I watched, I was like, oh no, he's blurry in one shot in a reverse <laughs> shot. Otherwise yeah. he's not in the movie, but yeah, I was impressed. I was really impressed by the movie. Yeah, I I was too, because the first time we saw this movie was actually a little over two years ago. We saw it in theaters with a Q&A with Ethan Hawke and we were like this close to him, you know. Was that at the Arclight? It was at the, the Landmark. landmark. And the landmark, okay. Yeah. yeah. And then did someone ask a question in the form of, I have a screenplay I'm working <laughs> on, and so would you read it, please? Um, or I, start as a comment. I was like so singularly focused on trying to catch him for a selfie afterwards that like that entire Q&A was, because I we knew we were doing this podcast at the time that we were seeing the Q&A, like we were just starting it. So I was like, we have to, we have to catch him and get a selfie after. Mm. And I just was so focused on that. Like we had like snuck up to the front row during the Q&A to get even closer and like done the whole thing that I just like was really not listening very much to anything he was saying. (laughs) But today I did find they, they filmed it. Oh, you so, found the... Yeah, and I found it on YouTube and I watched it today. Wow. Um, and someone did ask, um, what would you recommend to someone living in Los Angeles feeling like Blaze Foley right now? Like you're not making, you know, that kind of question. Uh-huh. Yeah, classic. It was his answer like, I mean, art is the most noble vocation we could ever be called to, man. Was it something along those lines? <laughs> Pretty much. Something super highfalutin? Okay, great. Yeah. Great. You know what? I'm okay with him being extra. Yeah. It's yeah. We it's not that. like he's it's not like he's saying this and he made Shrek 4 or something. You know, he's, <laughs> he's got some some credits. What's the best movie he's done so far? In y'all's uh, opinion. Ooh, the uh, best the most money? No, the best. The best Just movie. The best. Just because oh. number one, your favorite head and shoulders, singular achievement above them all, or his <laughs> best performance ever. Those are all different questions. I'd say his best performance <laughs> yeah. ever is Born to be Blue, where he plays Chet Baker. Yeah. I, okay. I think jazz. He's yeah. a jazz man in he it. He's okay. a jazz man. 
Yeah. But I think my my I've, I've settled on my favorite being is Gattaca. Yeah, Gattaca's a classic. Gattaca. Yeah. Yeah, that's where he's great. He's he's stealing from the bank and he screams Gattaca, Gattaca outside. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's the same movie. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, great. Well, awesome. if you're interested at all in his relationship with Uma Thurman, you gotta watch Gattaca because that's where they that's where it all started. That's where it started? Okay, interesting. Because sometimes when real-life couples play couples in movies, it's oddly chemistry-less. Like, yeah. Yeah. Jolie and Pitt, when they're in a movie together, like, maybe I'm thinking of the By the Sea one, but it's I, just, I, it's not something I want. Weird. I think enough. it's got to be, like, before they get together is when yeah, the chemistry it, happens. Like, you yeah. know, like, because in Mr. Yeah. and Mrs. Smith, it's, you know, you feel it. Fire. But maybe yeah, later on. Yeah, you want John Stone, you regret like before. You don't want them after. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's why this this Ben Affleck on a arm is sexy thriller that's coming out someday. Brian, not soon, but someday. I, I am curious about that. What, <laughs> what that's going to be like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I'd say, yeah, best performance, Born to be Blue. Best movie, either before Sunrise or First Reformed. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah I love First Reformed. It was creepy and sad and dark and beautiful. I loved it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, the other thing I wanted to say about like his themes and like the way that it connects to this movie is um, uh, in Seymour and Introduction, which is the documentary he did about Seymour Bernstein, who's uh, a pianist who had um, stage fright and gave up playing piano publicly and just became a teacher. <laughs> Um, that kind of idea of stage fright, I think you could see also in Blaze a lot with both, both of the main characters with Blaze and Sybil. Um, and that's something that Ethan Hawke talks about a lot in interviews is that when he like turned 40, he was like hit by this like crazy stage fright midlife crisis. And, um, so I think that something about that actually comes through a lot in his work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting stage fright. And, and that's actually the purest fear we can experience as humanity <laughs> is the fear of performance because we're all performing, man. Exactly. I was watching a little, one of those AOL build things with, with that cast and he was talking about like, nervousness is good, man, because it means you care. Like you want to be nervous. A labor of love, that's not comforting. That that should be like a sharp edge, man. So <laughs> I I do appreciate his his pontifications on that subject. Yeah, he's like, when I was 18 and I got Dead Poets Society, I just I I was just doing it, you know? And that's uh, pretty much every interview he does. I love it. Just um, doing it, man. Yeah, so, but Blaze, yeah, it's a, a crazy cast of players from the Ethan Hawke cinematic universe in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say it's it's so fun to watch them all together. Um, ben Dickey, we haven't actually seen in any of his movies before, but um, they were long longtime friends before this. And Ben Dickey's actually not an actor. He's mm-hmm. a musician. And I think considering that he had never acted before, like, he did an incredible job in this movie. I think everyone in this movie is terrific, honestly. Even even Alia Shawkat, who is, I mean, I guess Josh Hamilton too, and Chris Christopherson, but like, she's like the most actor actor in the movie. Mm-hmm. But she was, I, I thought she was very mesmerizing, and and I think after seeing her say, play such a bougie person on Search Party, and even some of the Arrested Development stuff, I haven't really seen that many of her like indie movie stuff, but. All, all of that I thought worked so well and so tremendously in, in her warmth and and her loveliness and 
I was I was blown away by it. when I found out not only Dicky but also Sexton isn't really an actor. I'm like, yeah, what yeah. is this movie? All these people are so good. Yeah, it's just I was knocked out by that. All of Ethan Hawke's like friends that he's picked up along the way that are just like just crazy talented. And here's the thing: if you were in that position, you would totally do the same thing. He's good. Just trust me. I know he's never acted anything, but. Yeah, give it a shot. It will make it for like two million or whatever. Yeah. It's so surprising, by the way, that this movie came out in theaters at all. I'm sure it came out in like five theaters for two days, but even mm-hmm. still, this is like totally post-COVID going to be a Netflix movie. Like, yeah. this will just be straight to Hulu or HBO Max. It's mm-hmm. it will it would not get a theatrical, and it might do better. It might more people might watch it. I don't know. Yeah, I'll, definitely because. I was, I mean, I was excited to see when we were watching it for this that it was on Netflix um, mm-hmm. because I don't think it was really that accessible before. Um, and yeah, I just, I think this is like a really great movie that like probably just didn't find its audience except for at Sundance where people that went to Sundance. I looked saw up it. the box office, it made 600,000 or something around that. It was, it was a paltry, paltry showing. That's like two tickets and a large popcorn <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah in la yes that's correct mm-hmm. um yeah some other fun players in this movie so we have wyatt russell who is playing wyatt russell like he does in every movie. never not great he's always wyatt russell yeah yeah he's wonderful um and then one thing that i thought was like super fun was the oil men uh, those are like those three guys that come in and want to produce Blaze's record or get, get him on their label, their new label. Yeah. And those three guys are played by Sam Rockwell, uh, Steve Zahn, and Richard Linklater, which is just so fun. And the other thing I thought about that was that the, those characters felt so Shakespeare to me, just having like three random guys come in. Right. And it was like such unit, a play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was such a Greek chorus type and also too with some of the staging of some of those scenes especially when they're i think when they're in the chicago apartment he shoots it like it's a little set on a stage so i think maybe maybe there is something to that sort of mythological greek chorus or like ah we're gonna make you a deal and and all that (laughs) stuff It, it totally worked for me and the fact that it was yeah link later who i guess I guess as an actor, sometimes question mark, uh, but also Academy Award winners Sam like... Rockwell and Steve Zahn. Yeah, I think the only movies I've seen Richard Linklater in before are actually Ethan Hawke movies. Yeah, yeah, so. I think he'll just do it as a favor. Don't you miss Steve Zahn? Don't you wish he was around more? I always he was him. in Never Bad. The Good Lord Bird last week, episode two. See, he's doing it again. He wrote Good Lord Bird and all his bros are just hanging out in that show. Yeah, Wyatt Russell is also in the Good Lord Bird. Great. Yeah. I think Sexton is too, right? Uh, He might be later, yeah, but uh, Dwee Diggs and Raphael Cassell are in it. It's just a whole whole thing. Good for him. Good. uh, Ryan Hawk also executive produced that show. Um, Great. uh, Yeah, so this movie is... the it's interesting because it's a biopic but it doesn't feel like too heavy-handed biopic like most do um i think and and i think that's kind of because it's about someone we don't already know it's like we don't know blaze fully we don't know his songs you know we haven't heard them all a million times and it'd be like making a biopic about me there'd be no rise and fall it would just be (laughs) (laughs) flying under the radar for 30 years (laughs) 
Yeah, so it's so then it just kind of ends up being like a story about, you know, a guy and his relationships and mm-hmm. his passions. Yeah, a reviewer compared it to Inside Lewin Davis, which I feel like is yeah, sort of apt. Definitely. So it starts with um it and it it like bounces back and forth and this feels like it could fall into that biopic thing so easily cuz it's kind of mm-hmm. framed by um a couple there's like a couple different threads so the first thing is that there's a radio show with um charlie sexton as towns van zant and josh hamilton as a guy named z um talking to ethan hawk and he's he's interviewing them and they're talking about blaze foley and who he was in his life you know which is like one way where it could be kind of like a cliche biopic setup but then we also have the second thread where you're seeing him like record this live studio album or this live album um and that's also like a way that it could have been like a really cliche you know thing Mm -hmm. where it's just bouncing back and forth from song to story song to story which it also does but i think because it's like has these like two these two kind of cliche things plus the you see the narrative also something about that like subverts the normal biopic well, I think also it's not done in yeah, such it a didn't, cliche it didn't feel right at all. way because like I feel like a lot of times the way that the, like a traditional biopic would do it is like, you know, a good example is like Rocket Man where he's like sitting at this group and he's like, and then I started drinking and then it like cuts <laughs> immediately to him drinking. They don't do the literal so like one to one connections. You know what I mean? Like they don't say yeah. they won't say something during a radio interview and immediately cut to something that's necessarily exactly relevant to what they exactly said it'll be something like but these three narratives are kind of unfolding on their own and then together they end up forming a more complete narrative whereas like the kind of cliche biopic way to do it is to literally be like uh and then you know that's when my mother said this to me and then they cut to a scene of his mother saying that to him you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and i think they did it in a way Mm -hmm. where it was kind of more artfully woven together totally yeah, so the kind of like central relationship of the movie is between Blaze and Sybil and um they meet when he's like doing some kind of work at a theater troupe in the woods that she uh is a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't sure what that commune was. It's, it felt <laughs> like a pre-Nexium before Nexium. Uh, <laughs> like some sort of thing. Why Russell was or Keith Raniere. So good for them though. If all they're doing is just fun little shows. Yeah, I feel like, I don't know, it feels like, uh, I feel like people that don't do Broadway maybe just go to upstate New York and then do weird theater stuff like that. I don't know. Um, Yeah, probably. Or like uh, last five years when Anna Kendrick goes to Ohio, you know, that kind of vibe. (laughs) Last five years. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so they they meet there and they're real they're real cute uh they have a a kind of a cute meet i wouldn't call it a meet cute but a cute meet mm-hmm. um where she's uh practicing a monologue and he's uh you know doing some kind of work with a with the something i don't know Nail i don't know construction terms mm-hmm. <laughs> he's constructing he's constructing something um and uh interrupting her and it's uh, it's cute and then it's even cuter when someone's running around with a gun and they have to hide in a closet together yeah 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 that part i wasn't sure how to take i was like this is too close to like school shooting energy for me to 
yeah. feel like I'm having too much fun watching it, you know? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and then they end up moving into a treehouse uh, in in the woods. And it's like an honest-to-God treehouse. I was reading an interview with Sybil, the, the real Sybil, and she was talking about how the, the house that they use in the movies is like way bigger than what they, what they actually lived in. Uh, that it was like oh a- I'm sure well the the you could tell that the house they were living in was the Instagram version of the actual <laughs> house replete with the the filters as well mm-hmm. no they probably lived IRL in a shack in a shit shack in the woods <laughs> and raccoons were probably nibbling at their toes every other night yeah and they spend a lot of time just kind of like talking and he start he's starting to like think about what he wants his you know his music to be like and his life to you know his legend his himself as a legend to be like basically um Mm -hmm. and he says yeah he says i don't want to be a star i want to be a legend a legend lasts forever and like it's just like really reminds me of I don't know like when I was really naive in high school and I once told someone that I thought that you know they would be part of the twenty seven club and I meant it as a good thing genuinely. Uh, <laughs> no. Yeah. Twenty seven club being what? Oh, like Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Kurt Cobain. Like oh, that, dying at twenty seven. Yeah, oh, yeah, I know. Oh, and then there's just something kid. I know. I was very <laughs> odd. Um, but yeah, I I think there's something kind of like naive but also like just very singularly focused about this like this uh desire to be a legend mm-hmm. yeah um and it really you know kind of clearly like we see throughout the movie that like supersedes other things in his life well, it supersedes everything in his life yeah right? yeah unfortunately definitely. i mean it, it is one of those funny things i think uh i mean it came out the same year but post star is born just the mm-hmm. idea of like Hey, actually, this guy's really talented, but he's got demons uh, <laughs> that he has to deal with. All that stuff. It's like an interesting, brand interesting subgenre of movie. Yeah, definitely. I was thinking, I was actually thinking about A Star is Born after this because I think I saw this first. And um, I don't know. I just, I, they're such, they're such different movies, but. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But they touch on. But they touch on some similar, similar concepts. Yeah. For sure um well there is this like sort of you know grumbly bearded man with an addiction problem mumbling about like the power of music (laughs) (laughs) and like exalting like the music comes from someplace (laughs) like all that stuff and it is funny it's funny now and like also like the the total picture of who hawk is in real life and then mixed with this it's so funny to think about <laughs> how it is like such an overflow of that ethos and that in that worldview yeah like, definitely in a, in, a, in a complete way and uh they're well, both maybe it reminds me of now that we're talking about uh grumbly country singers with beards um what was that movie that with crazy Jeff Bridges? Yeah, yeah 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 i saw that a long time ago so i don't really remember i did that too well. i saw it at amc century city I think I might also confuse it with True Grit. <laughs> yeah. Which are different, different movies. movies. Well, yeah. that's when he was on his like, rawr, 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 phase. <laughs> yes. like, he hasn't quite come out of where it's just like, oh, he just turned into an old pro. Somewhere he went from dude to old prospector before our very eyes. And, and none of us were the wiser for it. We just watched it happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Um, oh, speaking of grumbly old countrymen, we have Chris Christopherson in this movie. That's true. Um, Dude, Christopherson cameo is so legit. The last movie I saw him in was a movie called Joyful Noise. Um, one of my favorite movies of all time. And Dolly Parton. Is that true? I, I, I've made <laughs> so many people watch Joyful Noise. I Except for he somehow never had wow, to watch it. But crazy. I've made like several people watch Joyful Noise. I'm obsessed with it. It's incredible. When Dolly and, Parton and Dolly sings and Chris Forever by Chris Brown. Like insane. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's like it should be illegal. They should yeah. go to jail for that, but they never did. <laughs> and there's this one. There's this one duet in the movie that Dolly in spoiler alert ghost Chris Christopherson <laughs> out because he has a heart attack in the first ninety seconds of the movie. It's called From Here to the Moon and Back. And I think because of where <clears throat> Christopherson is in his age and probably his voice, Dolly's singing like she's always singing. And then his part of the the duet, she's singing From Here to the Moon and Back. And his part is From Here to the Moon and Back. And all he can do, all he can do is talk sing it. And I, I still listen to that song to this day, even seven years later. Yeah, it's a great song. It's a great movie. Um but yeah, so Chris Christopherson, though, is also, we didn't mention this before, a part of the Ethan Hawke cinematic universe. Yes. He was in uh, Chelsea Walls. Yeah. Playing an old writer that was haunted, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. The same kind of character. So funny, this actor privilege of getting a legit legend. Like, hey, can you come and cry and say, I want cigarettes? It'll take a day. <laughs> we can put your name in the promo materials. Thank you, Mr. Christopherson. Great flex, Ethan. We love it. Yeah. Um, and then, the, oh, the other person. So Chris Christopherson plays Blaze's father. And his sister is actually played by, ooh, I forget her name. But she's from um, Hooray for the Riff Raff. Uh, oh. Which is um, an indie singer or outfit of some sort. I don't know how many of them oh, there are. Okay. But there's a song that Jonathan listens to a lot called Palante by mm-hmm. Hooray for the Riff Raff. So that was fun to see her in this movie. Oh, Linda Lee... Is her name is Alinda Lee Segara. Yes, that's who it is. Cool. Yeah, and so she plays Blaze's sister, and I thought that she was kind of like a fun flavor for this movie because she's like kind of normal, but you can totally see how she and Blaze would have come from the same family. Like she, you know, they pray together, mm-hmm. um, and then she yeah, pulls out a which flask. Which I could relate to. Finally, there's something for me in the movie. She was praying. <laughs> Well, I understand the power of prayer. I don't get this music crap, but I love praying. <laughs> so finally, I could latch on to that in the movie. Love it. Um, yeah, there's actually there's actually kind of like a bit of religion stuff in this movie. Um, not just that, but we also have a scene a little earlier where um, Sybil brings Blaze to meet her parents. And there's this whole conversation about mm-hmm. how, um, you know, does he... It's, is he looking to ask for her hand in marriage? Are they going to get married? And uh, Sybil kind of pronounces like, oh, you know, we're, we're modern. If we're going <laughs> to if we're going to get married, we're going to get married with or without your blessing. And then her parents are like, if he wants to convert to Judaism, we'll cover the cost. <laughs> I love yeah, that. And he's kind of game for it. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, sure. Um, what do you say? He, oh, yeah. He talks about how he loves Zero Mostel, which I thought was really funny. Um, from Fiddler on the Roof. Yeah, yeah he does the dance reference. and everything. Yeah, Blaze has layers, gang. There's <laughs> a lot going on with Blaze. It's not just one thing. It's not just music and addiction. 
Yes. So many layers, and one of those layers is Fiddler on the Roof. And also, mm-hmm. uh, Sybil's mother is Sybil. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Sybil plays her own mother Sybil in this plays her mother. I, I did not know that. That's so, cr- that's so funny. That's almost creepy, but I guess she is an actress IRL. So, okay, yeah. good for her. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then we also got a shout out. Josh Hamilton comes into the movie, comes into this, you know, more linear plot uh, at at this point. Um, They meet and go to a strip club. Um, And Josh Hamilton, we know from, I mean, more recently, everyone knows him from eighth grade. But from long ago, we know him from the movie Alive, where he and Ethan Hawke were members of the, uh, uh, were they rugby or soccer? Soccer? The soccer team. Maybe the from... so- the South American soccer team. Their plane crashed and they became cannibals out of necessity. The rugby team, the Uruguayan yes. rugby team. Oh, okay. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, well, this doesn't feel fun at all. I'm reading the <laughs> Wikipedia for this. This sounds disgusting. It's, yeah, it's not very fun. But we had our our dear friend Jorge on the pod who knows a lot about cannibalism just for fun. And uh, we had a good time oh, talking about it. I check, I check in with Jorge if I guys. <laughs> Quarantine has had an effect on us all. It's so true. <laughs> so yeah, so Blaze and Josh Hamilton are like buddies now, um, and this is kind of the point where Blaze and Sybil start to like diverge their paths. Right. Yeah. Um, and and it's also the point where you start to see Blaze like mentally kind of change because when he and Sybil were living in the in the treehouse, you know, they were kind of in this in this bubble where they could just be creative and together, and that was their whole thing. But now removed from that, they've moved to Austin, um, and you know, in true Ethan Hawke fashion, they're in Texas, mm-hmm. and. Um, and Texas is a big thing for him. Does he doesn't live there, does he? He's from Texas originally. He's from Austin. Um, okay. Oh, I'm sad I never saw him there. I went to school there for a couple years. Well, he's from there and then moved to New York and New Jersey. Um, and then okay. kind of, of did course some. He's an East Coast guy. He's an artist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah he's be. both. I think he has a place in Texas, a place in New York, a place in Connecticut, we now know. And a place in Canada. So wow. he's all over the place. Again, if you could, you would too. And I, I absolutely would as well. Yeah. That um, would be dope. But yeah, Texas does come up a lot for him. The hottest, I mean, his book and film, The Hottest State, is about Texas. So the I know, I miss it. Yeah. Do you, do you, did you feel any, um, you know, Texas things about this movie? It's totally made me nostalgic for what the energy of Austin, Texas is in particular, because every every city has their own little personality. And Austin's, and it's so gentrified now, when I, the last time I went back, a couple of years ago was, it was so different from what I knew of it from 2007 to 2009. But even still, I get such a authentic friendliness from that place that I just have not gotten in many other cities. And you can kind of carve it out of your own, but like that's almost like the baseline of what it is there. Authentic friendliness and yeah, come on in, please have a bit. Yeah, like that, that sort of like it's not southern hospitality. It's something a little a little more 
gritty than that. I don't know if that's the word, but yeah, I, this in and watching him in that scene, it reminded me of one of the music shows when I was in Austin. Yeah, that t- it totally took me back, took me back to that time. Because I think I think the the man who plays Blaze is, uh, I believe, he's from Austin, right? He's based there, and and he Ben Dickey has like a little music career there as well. I think so. I think he was also in Louisiana for a time, and this movie was actually shot mostly in Louisiana. Oh, um, but yeah, I think there's definitely some Austin stuff going on with Ben Dickey as well. Um, yeah. And when they were doing promotion for this movie, actually, there was an Eater Austin article where Ethan Hawke and Ben Dickey went to their favorite restaurants in Austin. Uh, so that's a little fun. Awesome. Uh, Great. Yeah, parasocial uh, tidbit. I would do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... Oh, yeah, and so then Blaze starts to go on the road, and they're a little separate, uh, he yes. and Sybil, and um, this is when I wrote down, they seem to have an open relationship coincidence. Uh, <laughs> there were a few things where I wrote down coincidence. Yeah, and then they get back together and then move to Chicago, and things just kind of get like worse in their yes. relationship because he's... He's drinking a lot and he's not having fun performing because no one really pays attention when you're just like playing at a little place that's really a restaurant and people are just like, you know, mm-hmm. talking to their friends, having their meals. Um, yeah. And then, uh, you know, they part ways again for a little while. He breaks her guitar. He breaks yeah. the guitar. She got him. Yeah. Which would piss me off yeah, if I was her. I would I would be upset. She yeah. Was if pissed I, off too. If I was uh, trying to make it as an actress and I was spending all of my time working as a waitress and then, you know, I bought a guitar for my partner who did that. Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. So then they break up for real. He he, like comes back to her after a while and sings this song and then it's really emotional and then they break up. Um, Have you guys ever had a, a moment like that in the course of y'all's relationship? <laughs> when we of our relationship, of our relationship, when we yeah. uh, emotionally sing a song. Well, we have written songs. A, a long time ago. A long time ago, we have written songs together. Um, really? We exclusively wrote holiday music. We wrote a Christmas song, a Valentine's <laughs> song. I believe we wrote a Labor Day song. Maybe. Yeah, it kind of like you're like my little day. elf. You're my. <laughs> <laughs> you're my santa claus etc um no oh, it was awesome. uh called no snow in la and the it goes if christmas was in summer it would be much funner but it's still my number one holiday and we had a friend who was oh. very upset about the fact that we used funner as a word yeah because funner is not a word we were taking artistic license with the English language, though. And but I think to it's me, it, and that's love, man. Love makes you speak a whole different language. <laughs> to me, funner should be a word. There are so many yeah. words that you could just add er to, and they are words. Why would funner yeah, be? Also, different? music includes da do ron ron and bebop. Like, just say whatever <laughs> you want. Like, it's all just made up words. It's just noises and sounds. It's so true. Yeah. Oh, okay. So there was an interesting quote for uh, that uh, Charlie Sexton, as Town, Towns Van Zant said, uh, that I wrote down the whole thing for some reason. Um, but he uh, he wrote, uh, he said, if you want to write a song, everyone's going to tell you you have to live that song, but that's not it. You're going to have to die a little. Which I thought. So we usually do most Ethan Hawke line of the movie 
on this show. But since Ethan Hawke didn't really have that many lines, he was mostly just like doing that interview. Um, it, I felt that this was maybe the most Ethan Hawke line of the movie. Totally. Yes, of course it was. Yeah. Mr. Tortured Artist. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, I, I think he fully, I mean, uh, you can see this in all of his books. I think that's really where it shows the most. I've read one and a half of his novels. I'm working on the other ones. <laughs> but yeah, um, keep working. It's a long pandemic. Yeah, he has he has a new book coming out in February, too, which I think really exemplifies this. I think he really fully his novels are about himself. And because um, the new one in February is about an actor who's starring in Hamlet the fifth or sorry, not uh, Henry the fifth. And um, he's going through a divorce. <laughs> you know, that's like, that's uh, the story. Ethan. What was your end <laughs> to the character? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, say what you will about that. And also I would say his previous two novels were like also kind of about mm-hmm. himself at different stages of his life. Um, but he, he does seem to really like like put himself into his work i would say so that's why i feel like that's the most ethan hawk line of the movie mm-hmm. did you have anything yeah i went with uh uh confidence is a consolation prize for knowing you're alive damn yeah that's pretty good kevin did you come across any particularly ethan hawk lines i mean uh, that or or uh, especially to understanding the man and who he is maybe when sybil says do you think we're born knowing how to love maybe, <laughs> maybe that maybe that wow. be a part of it yeah no that's a, that's a good pull yeah put that in the hall of fame yeah love that um yeah so then we get to the point where after Chicago, uh, he goes to New York, and this is where he meets he meets Towns, um, which kind of seems like a like a good and a bad thing for him. You know, I think they have like a like a kind of like fruitful artistic relationship, but also like self destructive. They're both behaviors. kind of self destructive. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, there's this there's this great scene where josh hamilton is like kind of like fan fangirling out over towns and wants him to play a particular song and then towns tells this whole story about this nightmare he has where someone comes up and he pulls out he hopes it's a gun and he pulls out a harmonica and he really just like kicks josh hamilton yeah yeah feels so sad um it's pretty pretty harsh and you can kind of see again so crazy that charlie sexton is not an actor i know i guess he's been in a few things but it is so funny this is always the case guys musicians if they want to be actors they're just like oh okay blah 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 blah. when actors try to be musicians it's always so embarrassing (laughs) look at the soul albums of mr david duke Mr. Robert Downey Jr. Bruce Willis. Uh, hey, what's it? Bruce Willis. Bruno, don't get me started. But, uh, musicians being <laughs> actors, it's like, just say the lines. You got it. Amy Mann and the Big Lebowski. It always, mm-hmm. it almost always works, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I was um, watching an interview with Ethan Hawke where he was talking about Charlie Sexton. And so he met him when they were filming Boyhood. 
because they play roommates in that movie. Do you remember that? He's like when he's uh, divorced and he's living on his own in Austin oh, yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so he's living, they live together as roommates in that movie. And because that movie was shot over so many years and they kept playing roommates, like, you know, just like once a year, every couple of years, um, like they got to become friends and he knew that Charlie, like he was, he had been taking acting classes and he was like, oh, someone's got to get this guy in a real movie. So wow, that's cool. Yeah, so that's mm. how he ended up in this movie. Good for him. Yeah. Maybe the one, the best thing to come out of Boyhood. <laughs> Are you not a fan? I like Boyhood fine. I just thought he grew up to be a completely unremarkable young man. <laughs> <laughs> like at the end. I mean, there were there are a few very transportative moments in that movie where he's at Kirby Lane. He's like, you got to try Keisha. Like, where that was truly my college experience. And he was probably there at the same time when they shot it or maybe a few years after. But yeah, there's a lot I loved in that movie. But then looking back on my, like, was that just kind of stunty? I don't know if it needed to be 14 years. I couldn't tell. I can't tell. I really can't tell if it was good or bad. I enjoyed it though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm just always interested in like in hearing what people think about Boyhood because it's it seems so polarizing. Opinions, yeah, yeah. Like I, because I walked out of that movie thinking it was like amazing, and you know, like 14 years. Oh my gosh, yeah. Which is it's all true, but like then I we met some people throughout the course of this podcast who like really don't like that movie. Yeah, and it was uh, shocking. Yeah, yeah. On the rewatch, I was. Now it's a stunt. Yeah, and as it will be when he does uh, Sondheim uh, merrily. I think that's so dumb. By the way, that's really betting on yourself. Like, yeah, I'll be alive and healthy in 18 years. I know, yeah. (laughs) All right, Richard, I I hope you're right. Pre-COVID, like. Yeah. Especially then, yeah. Yeah, now, who knows. Um, Yeah, so. Um. We see Blaze and Sybil meet up again in New York this time. She's on an, in an off-Broadway play where her only line is asshole. I thought that was fun and yeah, so yeah. cute, that whole exchange. Um, and Willie Nelson is going to sing one of Blaze's songs. So they're both kind of like doing it, you know. Only up and up, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if I could fly, is that what it's called? Uh, yeah, if, if, I, yeah, if I could fly. I think that Something right. like that. Yeah. Um, but then Sybil doesn't show up to his show and he's a drunk mess and then he ends up throwing like a huge party that costs the the oil men those three guys a bunch of money and they drop him from the label in this very um kind of uh i saw ethan hawk describe these these characters as uh rosencrantz and gildenstern Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what they felt like in this scene where they're just like berating uh berating him totally yeah yeah yeah, and so we kind of continue to see the tension between Towns Van Zant and Z, um, mm-hmm. because Towns is like talking about how how great Blaze played on that last night he was alive, and then you see, and Z just packs up his stuff and fully leaves the interview because he knows that Towns wasn't even there to see him play that night. Yeah, and so you know you had seen the tension at the beginning, and you're like, what's this about? Then you saw that scene where Towns, you know, was mean about the harmonica, and now you see this, and it all kind of comes together, like what the tension had been about the whole time. Yeah. Wait, yeah. what was the tension about? Say that again, because because when he picked it up, it was maybe a moment so subtle that it went over my head. Wait, what was Z mad about? So yeah, so Towns was in, talking in this interview about how great Blaze was on his last night when he was recording that live album. 
he was in the bar. In right. the bar, yeah. But Towns wasn't actually there. He right. wasn't there until later that night. So he wasn't there for any of the recording of the album. He didn't hear it. He wasn't there. That's right. And so... Okay, so he was lying, yeah. Yeah, so he was lying about that. And and Z was the one who was really actually always there for Blaze. Yeah, yeah. I think Towns and Blaze had this kind of unique relationship because they re- I think they really saw each other as artists and Z wasn't really part of that. Um, but... Um, but Z Guess was... what, though? I'd rather be Z than a freaking artist who can't function <laughs> and alienates everyone in his life ever. I'd much rather be Z. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes out of time. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, throughout the course of the whole movie, we're see, you know, he and Z go out and they party and they get drunk and do other things. But, you know, he is actually always there for him. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, the, the, that's one of the interesting things about this movie. The themes is like, because what you were saying about Towns lying about being there in the story. And there's like earlier times where he talks about like Blaze and him going and they see like the light of like Jesus or whatever. And Z's like clearly like, this is like bullshit. Like he knows he's just kind of making this story up. This didn't actually happen. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of that like throughout this movie, like this idea of like, I don't know, being a raconteur, which is like, uh, you know someone said that that's a polite word for liar like someone who tells colorful <laughs> stories that are not always true um, but tells them in an interesting enough way that you enjoy it like there's a story he tells about uh, the blaze tells like he's getting you know they're hitchhiking and blaze tells a story about how his dad uh, busted his jaw and had to have his mouth wired and he liked to drink alcohol and coffee and then he couldn't have alcohol, but they would let him have coffee, but they gave it to him as an enema. And he said, it's, uh, the nurse asked if it's too hot and he says, no, it's too sweet. And it's like, clearly, you know, it's just, a, it's a joke. I mean, it's a completely yeah. made up story, but he keeps, t- when he tells the story, he's like, this actually happened to my dad. Um, and I think that's one of the interesting themes in this movie is like telling stories that they that don't necessarily have to be literally true, but can mm-hmm. say something about something true about someone else. Or in some cases, like in Towns's case, telling something that's not true, that also isn't true about, that's dishonest. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think I that kind of yeah. connects to the, the idea of him wanting to be a legend, you know, a legend yeah. isn't like, you know, a person that, you know, it doesn't have People to be really something know. that's real. Yeah, yeah, it could be a legend. Could be more about like the myth of a person and yeah. all of the things that made him this like great idea that people continue to talk about. And also, like that, that just goes to like the best biopics are usually the ones where they take some liberties totally. to make it feel like a real story, rather than go for the most literal interpretation of the. Light events that happen in their life and that's kind of the same thing with like being a raconteur it's like we're trying to tell something true about this person even if it's not literally true mm-hmm. yeah and that's why i think like born to be blue works so well because yeah. that's kind of like a an amalgamation of all of his experiences you know all, yeah. all of his wives his, his, all yeah, of his women all are all made just up, made yeah, into, into one, one character yeah. and it you know it works There's really no well reason for a biopic to have that same biopic structure after walk hard came out yeah always feel like why are we doing this again like you gotta you gotta either be fantastical with it because rocket man had like those 
interesting stylistic flourishes or like yeah. this where it's like a compressed small amount of time or like Steve Jobs where it's like both an inventive sort of structure and also it was only like this amount you're not like cradle to grave with it mm-hmm. like that right, stuff yeah. is so boring no one cares they can read the Wikipedia just show what they were kind of like in essence you know? yeah that's what I like about Capote which I think is one of my favorite biopics which is like it's very focused on a specific very specific period in his life like specifically about writing in cold blood and and that that's what makes it work so i think if you like focus mm-hmm. it or you kind of yeah, just a small thing yeah mm-hmm. but i i think biopics can be good like i i think it's just unfortunate that they they get so addled with these like bloated overstuffed movies like that, Tolkien. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a way to do it where you, you know, because there, cause there are plenty of good examples. It's just the ones that most people think of are like the kind that, you know, Walk Hard was parodying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we're coming to the end of Blaze where uh, we see, we don't actually see his death, but we see, you know, all of the events kind of surrounding his death. So he leaves the, he leaves the club, um, the bar, and uh, has this whole thing with a little girl who gives him a jasmine plant. And uh, he's walking around, hold, carrying the plant. He sits on the curb and he's just kind of like talking to himself in the nonsensical way that he does but he's like really talking to Sybil and reflecting and there's a little bit of a flashback to the treehouse um and that kind of goes on for a while (laughs) um and then Josh Hamilton swings by to pick him up but then he says uh that he doesn't want to go with them because he wants to go and help the friend who we had seen earlier in the movie is an old man whose son comes to take his like monthly check yeah. To, you know to steal it every month and so he wants to go and help him and uh make sure that doesn't happen he's like you know how would you feel if that was your dad and uh so he he goes to to be with him and to help out in that situation and at this point it starts to cut back and forth between that night and then later when sybil is visiting the house and so it's this kind of you can the you know synthesis of it all you can see that she's walking through the same space where he had died and kind of like i don't understand if you're civil why you want to do that why you want to walk through that space yeah not want to at all yeah yeah i don't know i don't know if that if she actually did that or if that's something they created for the movie because it's you know yeah but even so even as like a character motivation very strange yeah yeah but I mean, she she co-wrote it, so you know. Yeah, um, what I really did like about that though was um, I think that's a great example of sound mixing in this scene because you're kind of getting the sounds from the past and the present on that mm-hmm. one. Because um, when she's there, it's like raining, or you know, it's it's raining a bit, and then when he's there, um, you know, the dogs are barking. He's he gets shot, and he's like hobbling outside, bleeding out and um there's like a dog barking and he's wheezing you can hear his yeah, his, yeah. his breath mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, all of mm-hmm. that at the same time though it's not raining while he's there but you're still hearing the noise of the rain from when sybil's there so you're kind of experiencing it all together i really yeah. liked that yeah it was super well done yeah um yeah and then towns uh we cut back to that interview and towns plays out the movie basically 
um and the the credits start to roll but then actually we get like a little bit of a during credits scene um where sybil's at at his grave and she's about to um plant some jasmine at his grave and the guy that runs the cemetery tells her that she can't and he says um i like the sign he said sorry for your troubles man but everybody's got one got him yeah 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 i mean i guess that's the kind of attitude you have to have if you run a uh, grave or what is it? cemetery, cemetery. <laughs> I forgot the word for cemetery <laughs> um yeah it's such an arty note to it is yeah no <laughs> it's fully. such a funnily like apathetic defiant note of like actually you think that's bad my life's bad too what if we followed the grave guy we'd have a similarly interesting story anyway it is a fine little touch yeah yeah and i was watching something else i, I watched a lot i i took i was sick today so i wasn't working and i watched a lot of uh, ethan hawk interviews about this movie <laughs> and he he did he said that quote in like several interviews and that he was talking about how like you know that's kind of like the spirit of the blues is that you know okay <laughs> ethan <laughs> ethan we know we understand that the blues are from the soul man like that's so fun. I mean, God bless and God love them. That's, that's great. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's the movie. I I liked it. I liked how it looked. We didn't really talk about that. It had a kind of interesting um brownish tone to it. Yeah. Um. He said the that color he, timing was definitely an Instagram filter throughout, and there was like mm-hmm. interesting vignetting on the sides where the there was kind of blurry on the edges of the frame uh and then and then there were some fun little shots of like super duper slow motion in certain parts mm-hmm. of the movie that felt pretty iconic like when they got married and mm-hmm. stuff. yeah that was cute i liked that um yeah he said something about uh that he got like communist cameras like he wanted uh like 70 he was using like 70s film from some communist country <laughs> that's what he said um, um, and that's what he used because he Ethan. wanted a different look. <laughs> and it kind of made me think of um, the lighthouse because they use they use period film on the lighthouse too, yeah. right? From like yeah, 30s totally. or something. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Uh, another film that had a specific look. It sure did. Very specific. Very yeah. specific. Yes. Gracious. Yeah. Um, Good movie. I'm glad I watched it. And I would not have if not for this podcast. I would not have checked it out otherwise. Oh, good. I'm glad you liked it. Um, Jonathan, do you have something you'd like to share with us now? Sure, yeah. <laughs> it's time for a hawk fact. Uh, Kevin, would you like to do it? Oh, thank you. <laughs> he preempted Unprompted. You. Yeah. I love it. Wait, is that truly the sound effect? Oh, yeah. No, I just get the guests to do a hawk noise. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. Every episode. And I did it preemptively. Yeah. That well, wow. You're you meant to be. Is a good. Yeah, it's a good part of being in a relationship, I guess, or being a podcast guest. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, so this movie has uh, Blaze drinks quite a bit of alcohol. So I was curious about the uh, drinking habits of hawks <laughs> and uh, interesting. I've never looked into it because I, you know, I, you think like drinking water, you just kind of take it for granted. It's something we all do. But and, you know, you have a little bird bath and birds drink water. But uh, apparently uh, this, according to allaboutbirds.org, 
Uh, hawks get most of the water that they need from eating their prey, though hawks are sometimes observed drinking water, which is kind of interesting. Wow. And uh, someone, this guy was talking about with red tails, these drinks can be rather infrequent. Uh, peregrines, uh, Cooper's hawks, sharp-shinned hawks, and goshawks, and a few other species prefer to drink and bathe each day. Red tails aren't so thirsty. I studied some red tail nests in Nevada where there were virtually no available ponded water for the birds to drink or bathe in. They did well nevertheless. If water is not available, red tails can survive very well. Not so with falcons. So that's kind of interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I'm surprised this hasn't come up before. Yeah. And that was, uh, this is from a little blog spot blog. And this guy. Hell yeah. <laughs> this guy john blakeman the i wanted to look man. it up to see if he was like a uh-huh. and he seems to he's like a ohio raptor expert there's oh. a little bit of drama too because i was looking him up and i went to the hawk lovers anonymous facebook group and someone was complaining because they got banned <gasps> because they stood up i i was banned because i dared to stand up to john blakeman <laughs> uh so there's For some what? drama there's some uh, uh something about uh it was like a video uh thing about birds and he was uh mr blakeman was complaining about the quality of the camera and uh anyway it's wow. really not relevant wow. but uh i because i wanted well, we to look him dive up. into this further <laughs> <laughs> i wanted to i wanted to look him up you know to see like what his did you join were. this facebook group no i did not i didn't know this was a thing <laughs> uh but this is this is this is quite fun so the, yeah you know the hawk the bird watching community is as dramatic as any movie you've ever seen but that's my hawk fact wonderful um thank you for sharing that fact jonathan that was great thank i you. i can't believe that after like 68 episodes of this show we, you we had never learned about hawks drinking water <laughs> yeah it's I know. incredible we know so many things about hawks now yeah, yeah um okay well do we have any final thoughts about this about this movie or ethan hawk or anything i like would recommend movie. wish he wasn't a nanny guy looking forward to diving further into the filmography specifically the before stuff can't wait i might even watch the freaking purge just because oh yeah the purge is um uh i love that movie it's so good well it feels like a horror movie i can handle oh yeah it's it's not gonna i don't like horror movies at all like if you don't like horror movies don't watch sinister that's another one he's in do not watch sinister i didn't i didn't care for that but the purge is more like it's kind of like thrillery it's more of a thriller yeah yeah great the yeah. masks no, are I just kind of like incidental, you know. Yeah, the masks aren't too big of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I get scared when I don't see masks these days. So seeing masks <laughs> will be great. So true. true. It'll be perfect. Um, yeah, I would actually recommend for you see more an introduction though. I do think that that's a really Yes. Uh, it's a okay. nice a nice yeah. little movie about uh just a sweet old man who's very good at piano. Yeah. Yeah. All right, going on the Larabox watch list nice perfect but i feel like he's really grown as a director you know ethan, ethan? Yeah, yeah definitely i mean i will say that i think his um that his short film the very first thing he ever directed was actually pretty good mm-hmm. um but then i don't i didn't love the two features that followed but then i loved to see more an introduction and i did love this yes so. i do agree that it could have been trimmed a little bit yeah it was too long 
but uh but it was otherwise very well very well crafted very well put together i like the the frame narrative style and the back and forth and it all still flows together very nicely so mm-hmm. good job yeah it's about the hardest thing a person can do create art <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh one more thing i want to recommend to everyone just go on youtube and search the today show interview with ethan hawk and ben dickey because it's so funny to watch them talk to kathy lee and hoda about this movie for like two and a half minutes oh no oh no oh no <laughs> oh hoda no <laughs> Because, you oh, know, incredible. the way that Ethan Hawke and Ben Dickey want to talk about this movie is not the way that Kathy Lee and Hoda want to talk about this movie. But y'all have some silly little country songs in there, huh? <laughs> They're like, well, actually, the songs come from this place. Like, Can you pick a banjo for us on the show? No. <laughs> We're not here to dance for you, man. Like, oh, oh. Can't wait. Can't wait to watch. Yeah. Um... Well, great. Okay, I've been Harper. You can find me on the internet at Harping About on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. And um, something I've been enjoying in pop culture outside of Ethan Hawke is um, Game of Roses, which is a very fun Bachelor podcast. I'm sure I've plugged it before, but, you know, they're back in full force because The Bachelorette is back. And uh, they just, I don't, you know, they just look at the show in a way that I think think not everyone does very like by the numbers and also somehow connecting it to the current state of the world like like political Mm -hmm. things it's uh just kind of a bonkers show and they do a great job and i really appreciate them so yeah if you like the bachelor check that show out um jonathan where can the people find you and what have you been enjoying uh you can find me on Instagram and Letterboxd at John Zavaleta. And a uh, thing I've been enjoying, um, well, this is going to come out too late, but uh, <laughs> we voted. Yeah, we did vote. We and to, by the time this comes out, we will know the results of that election. So. And we will feel blank. We will feel blank. I bet we won't. <laughs> I bet we won't know the results of that election. That's... I feel like the election day will be the kickoff of a long and awful month. That's that true. Is true. That is true. Unfortunately. Sorry. Well, we'll know something wrong, and feel a way about it. Yes. We'll I know feel... something and we will feel a way about it. Yes. I do yeah. feel blank about blank that just happened. Yeah. Know? Same. I feel blank. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, uh, it was cool. Did a little Dropbox thing. Yeah. Because last time I voted, mm-hmm. I voted in person. Oh yeah, the primaries. It was a horrible and it was a nightmare. nightmare. Yeah. 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 So vote by mail. Vote by mail, everyone. Do it now. I'll do it uh, two months I, ago. We hope you did it. We hope you did we it. We hope you yeah. did it. <laughs> Got out the vote. Got out the vote. Yes. <laughs> um so that's what you're that's what you were enjoying that's what i've enjoyed and i feel i feel blank about it as well so cool um kevin where can the people find you uh what have you been enjoying outside of ethan hawk and uh what else do you have to plug oh uh well thank you you can uh find me at kevin t port everywhere and something i've really been enjoying recently I finished recently was The Haunting of Blind Man. I thought that show was incredibly well done. Good grief. A show, again, I'm a scaredy cat, and uh, there's some spooks in that show, but it's not too much, and it's it's more heart-wrenching. 
been been scary. So definitely recommend it. Ten out of ten. Would watch again. And then you can listen to me on Good Christian Fire, Inside Voices, or the old archive of Gilmore Guys from back in the day, wherever you find podcasts. Very nice. Yes, three wonderful podcasts. I've listened to them all. Would recommend. Wow. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, Kevin, thank you so much for joining us to talk Hawk. This was Thanks a for having delight. me. What a delight. Yeah. This yeah. is the best uh, way to justify watching movies during the day. I was like, well, I have to for a podcast. <laughs> I, ha- I can't let them down. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, All boy. right. Well, um, good night, everyone. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs>